Patreon. It's me. You know me. I'm leaving work and recording another bonus audio for you guys. Um, we're driving 15 minutes from work to the next town over. So this one's going to be shorter than the last couple, but I'm sure that's fine with you all. I just wanted to talk about the new Pokemon game. And I know I have a Pokemon podcast, but because of the nature of the format, it's impossible to talk about just my experience with the new game, because we're just reviewing all of them in order. Um, which means that it would take several hundred episodes before we would even begin to catalog the Pokemon of the Alola region, uh, and that is the Pokemon are the least of the changes. Uh, although we have gotten to touch on some Alola Pokemon just because there's regional changes to uh, early Pokedex monsters. Um, anyway, so I chose as my starter the Fire-type Cat Litten. Uh, where am I in the game? I'm on Ula Ula Island, um, which is the third island, and most of the way through it, I think, uh, I might have like one more, uh, one more regular trial before the the Kahuna. Um, I just beat a really cool area. Uh, if you're worried about, I guess, spoilers, uh, maybe don't. Maybe skip this uh, until you play the game, because um, I'm going to talk about some stuff that is at least midway through, more than midway through the game. Um, anyway, so I just got to Poe Town, and I just cleared that, and what's interesting about this is it's a town entirely occupied by the villainous team uh, of, of the Alola region, Team Skull. Um, who are basically, like, ineffectual hip-hop punks. They're, like, not very good at anything, and they're not particularly organized. They're just kind of, like, delinquents. They're just, like, jerks. Like, Team Rocket was basically the, the Yakuza or the, uh, the Mafia. Um, and <laughs> Team Skull is just, like bratty teenagers, uh, and I like that a lot, but they basically took over this town, there's nobody in it but Team Skull, everything's covered in graffiti, <sighs> oh, sorry, uh, there's no power to the town, um, and so in order for them to heal your Pokemon at the Pokemon Center, which is also run by Team Skull, you have to pay them, you only have to pay them 10, 10 Pokemon dollars, which... Uh, because it's based on yen, I guess it was about 10 cents. Uh, it seems to be how it's reflected in the game. Uh, for a price comparison, if you're listening to this and you don't pay attention to this type of thing in Pokemon, uh, one of the cheapest items is a potion, which costs 200 Poke dollars. It's, there's, they never say what the currency is called. 
It's just represented by a P with two horizontal lines through the stem, similar to the uh, symbol for yen. Um, but it's anyway. Yeah, I just call them poke dollars because what else? <laughs> what else am I going to call them? Uh, anyway, the cheap one of the cheapest items is two hundred poke dollars, uh, and this costs ten. So it's less of like an impediment to getting your Pokemon. Uh, healed and more of just like a sort of fun quirk um, and you can't go to the PC which means you can't switch out your team once you enter the town uh, unless you leave and go to a normal Pokemon Center um, so it's interesting you sort of go through the town not even every Team Skull member you encounter wants to fight you um, one thing that's interesting is uh, it seems like two of the Team Skull uh, boys are uh, in some sort of romantic relationship. Um, it's They're waving at each other uh, over this like wall, and if you talk to one, he's like, what is he doing? Like, Why, why is he over there? Uh, and if you talk to the other one, he says, what's he looking at me for? Is he noticing how attractive I am? Uh, and that's interesting. It's sort of just like a hint, though. Um, and I know you could sort of have somewhat romantic-seeming interactions with uh, other characters. Most notably, N in Pokemon Black and White takes you on, like, a romantic date on a... On a what's it call it? Um, right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Ferris wheel. I kept thinking carousel, but that's not the same thing. Uh, he takes you on like a date on a Ferris wheel and ponders the meaning of life or whatever. Uh, and that's fun because he does that whether you're playing as a boy or a girl. Um, but I, it could just be a little more innocent than that because this is a game where you're playing as an 11 year old. It's ostensibly for children, which it's fine. There are gay children and it's fine to have a gay media for children. Absolutely. Um, but I, it's, the world of Nintendo it tends to be a little more conservative um, in that regard. Just because, like, I, I mean, I don't know why. Uh, it could be some reflection of the overall culture of Japan. Uh, it could just be because Nintendo is a very old company and sort of keeps with older customs, and one of those old customs, of course, in the world at large, is uh, homophobia in the form of outright denying that uh, queer identity is a normally occurring part of life, uh, which it is. Uh, like, whenever you hear... You, you always get the really cringy interviews in mainstream media when a celebrity comes out of the closet, and there's always the question, uh, when did you realize you were gay? And that is such a wrong-headed question, because it's like, when did you realize you were straight? Because uh, it just... It just treats gayness as an aberration, as like a variant... Like, straight person variant edition uh, is gay. No, it's like... It's just another way that people could be. Um, they're all, like, 
of equivalent validity. Anyway, I'm kind of getting off topic. Uh, my point being, it was nice to, even if I'm just reading too much into it, to see that sort of thing reflected in a Pokemon game. Um, not because it has any, like, impact on me or my life personally, but just because it's sort of refreshing to see the world reflected as it is, uh, rather than seeing the world reflected as it has always been reflected, which is eliminating any sort of not straight, uh, not white, not male uh, people from history's narrative. Uh, I hesitated there because this is a Japanese game, so all the character. Well, this game is a little different. For the most part, Japanese media, the characters come across to a Western audience as white people, which is not really accurate. Uh, I mean, people of Japanese ethnicity are fair-skinned, and so they draw themselves as fair-skinned people. Um, and so when we see it, we're like, why did they draw them as white people? But when they see it, they're like, we just drew the default, and the default to us is Japanese people. Uh, so it's interesting. But th that's a whole different topic. This game is interesting because it takes place in a sort of uh, fake Hawaii, um, a sort of non-colonial Hawaii. Uh, it's still very much rural. Uh, it's still very much uh, tied to the Polynesian culture, uh, sort of the fakey uh, cartoon version of Polynesian culture that it uh, it's not portraying in a racist way. Uh, I mean, I don't think it could be. I mean, I'm just a white guy. I'm not familiar with Polynesian culture. Um, but it doesn't come across to me as racist. It comes across to me as a similar sort of uh, anime simplified version of Polynesian culture in the same way that you usually get an anime simplified version of Japanese culture from most other uh, sort of uh, slice of life media from Japan. And that's probably the most interesting thing about this Pokemon game is it really feels like a slice of life narrative because it's so rural, because it's such uh, the culture is so uh, specific and intentional, rather than just sort of incidental and thrown in. Um, everything's sort of like everything's different. They don't they they don't have a Pokemon League. They don't have gyms. They just sort of have their own island tradition called the Island Challenge, which is what your character, who has just moved from the Kanto region, uh, decides to go on. The Kanto region is um, the region from Pokemon Red, Blue, Green, Yellow, uh, that you also revisit in Gold, Silver, Crystal. Um, it's, it's the one that uh, most people are familiar with because it's the first generation uh, of games, um, 
But you have moved from there, your character, to the Alola region with your uh, young single mom. Uh, sort of typical among this type of narrative is the absent father. Although, um, let me think. You do have a dad in Pokemon uh, Emerald, or Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. Um, and he's one of the gym leaders. Uh, and that sort of complicates things. That, uh, that feels like, uh, a little more like the absent father thing, uh, just rather a distant father, uh, which is even more narratively interesting. Like, at the very beginning of the game, you guys are moving in, uh, Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, uh, and the remakes. You guys are moving into your house in the Hoenn region. Um, and your dad leaves, like, almost immediately to be like, I'm gonna go set up my gym in a different city from the one we live in. And that is really interesting to me. Um, he just, like, leaves to go to work right away. Um, I don't know how that reads to a Japanese audience. It might not have read as, uh, sort of distant parenting or, uh, borderline neglectful, because um, I know they have a much more um, work, corporate, corporate uh, workplace-oriented society in that um, it's sort of expected that an adult man will go and work and always be working and be working overtime all the time. Um, so maybe this, uh, this father immediately leaving for work doesn't read, like, was not intended to read, uh, the way I'm reading it, but, uh, that sort of speaks to a larger cultural problem. Um, it's not really something I can speak on. I'm not Japanese. I don't live in Japan. Uh, it's something I've, I am familiar with only through third party uh, through research, through learning about it. Uh, it's not something that I have any personal stake in, so I don't feel uh, comfortable being like, oh, boo, those guys. Because um, uh, that's their deal. They can deal with it. It seems... Uh, it's fine. It's not my business. Um, but the... Where, where was I? Oh, yeah, you, in Sun and Moon, you just moved to the Alola region. Um, I probably have another five, ten minutes to talk here, because there's been a bit of traffic. Um, you've just moved to the Alola region, and you meet uh, Professor Kukui, uh, who is sort of the... Uh, he... It comes across as a bit of a stereotype to me, but um, I know in other more sensitive portrayals of Polynesian culture, uh, this type of character is not uncommon, so um, it's not that bad, uh, but he is sort of this uh, boisterous, uh, aloof, extremely gregarious guy, like he knocks on your door and then always comes into your house before you have a chance to answer the door. Uh, he's got a lab coat with no shirt on underneath, uh, which is extremely funny. And he's always calling people cousin and telling them to relax, uh, a lot like, um, 
like uh, Tito from Rocket Power, uh, who I think is a Hawaiian dude. Um, so I don't know that uh, that's the only part that sort of reads a little weird. Um, anyway, you do the island challenge, uh, which usually consists of going into a discrete encounter area of some kind, uh, fighting a couple Pokemon, and then fighting a totem Pokemon, which is a gigantic powered-up version of a Pokemon that you can catch in that area, or maybe an evolution of it. Um, and it will always call a partner who it uh, works with really well. For example, um, one of the totems is a Salazzle, which is a um, poison fire type. Uh, and it summons a cast form who uses Sunny Day. Um, oh, you know what? I'm thinking wrong. This isn't Salazzle. Salazzle just summons Salandits, which is its pre-evolved form. Um, this is Fomantis, I believe. It summons a cast form and then continually uses a move that uh, normally has to charge up unless the sun is out. Uh, so you have the sort of dilemma of, do I try to take down the big guy as fast as possible, uh, and then just sweep up because cast form is not actually a big deal to take care of, or do I eliminate cast form so that it can't continually re-up that sun? Um, I just, it took me, that actually took me like a couple tries, which is weird because it usually doesn't take more than one go to do it so uh it was very odd to be to like actually struggle in uh a boss battle in pokemon um these are uh these totem pokemon are some of the hardest battles i've had in years and years in pokemon um like maybe since the first or second generation gym leaders, which were uh, usually pretty tough, or the, um, I think Gen 5 Elite Four is really tough, because um, they're all they're, they all have Pokemon that all are a certain type, but then some of their Pokemon are dual type in exactly a way that will mess up um, your type advantage. It was, I specifically remember the um, fighting type guy, I think, had a couple of um, uh, Scrafty, who is fighting in dark, so you couldn't use psychic type moves on him. Um, and I think he had a Hawlucha, so that flying type moves would be, um, would be normal effectiveness instead of super effective. Um, and it's really interesting to see that sort of challenge come back and be littered throughout the game, although it still has the problem of every trainer you encounter just has, like, two Rattatas at most. It almost is, like, even worse than it's ever been. Like, I don't think I've encountered a trainer that has three Pokemon, besides maybe one of the trial captains. Um, I, it makes me wish that there was a higher difficulty option, um, or that they had balanced it a little better, because, like, I have six Pokemon, and they're, most of them are fully evolved at this point. Some of them are over level 40, 
Like, a level 35 Ratata is a one-hit, even if it's not a super effective move. There's no reason why, more than halfway through the game, I should be encountering any trainers that have a just a single first patch of grass Pokémon unevolved. That's insane. Um, but that's how they designed it for some reason. Um, but yeah, I like that. I like all the captains. Um, I'm sort of liking... It's taken a little too long to get to go, like, do stuff on my own. Um, I'm finally able to go just, like, chill out and go, like, the Potown thing, you do that by yourself, which is great. Because, um, for the most part, you travel around with your rival Howe, who I don't like because he's happy and friendly. Um, he's just basically uh, picture... Uh, Sokka from Last Airbender, that's pretty much him. He's got like a top knot haircut, he's obsessed with food, and he's always pretty cheerful, um, and he's not very good at anything. It's like, imagine Sokka without any of the anxiety. Um, it's just like, he's annoying, um, he's got a cool design, um, but like, you travel around with him and Professor Kukui, and this other girl named Lily, who has some sort of, like, mysterious past and is always traveling around with this Pokémon. Uh, it's a Cosmog that she has named Nebby, um, and it's just really weird. Like, the whole situation is just strange, because um, usually in a Pokémon game, you are sent off on your own and you stay that way uh, the whole game. Occasionally, you get, uh, like, ambushed by your rival, or, like, you have to go talk to some NPCs, but in this game, you're just traveling around the whole time, like, with your whole, like, rolling up with your whole crew, island to island. Um, yeah, it's really strange. Um, but I don't, I don't mind it, and I really like the game so far. So, um, comment on here and let me know what, uh, what you guys are thinking of the game. Uh, if you have the opposite version of me, I'll trade you some Pokemon. Um, oh, one last thing. I'm probably going to uh, get the second recording up uh, a little late. I'm going to try to I'll post this immediately and get um, get some of my writing up. But uh, whew, it's been a heck of a month, guys. So uh, uh, thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for your support. Uh, please tell your friends about all my podcasts. Uh, encourage people to donate to the Patreon. Um, and, uh, that's all. Bye.